Welcome to the biggest event in the world of entertainment. Live from the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles, it's the 68th Annual Academy Awards. As you well know by now, this is the 51st Annual Academy Awards. Two hours of sparkling entertainment spread out over a four-hour show. <laughs> this is the night that Hollywood puts aside its petty jealousies and brings out its major jealousies. The movies have always been there for us. They're the place to go, to laugh, to cry, to question, to text. So tonight, enjoy yourselves, because nothing can take the sting out of the world's economic problems like watching millionaires present each other with golden statues. Hello, hello, hello. This is Killer Casting, and I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm a casting director in Los Angeles. I've cast for many years killers, victims, psychopaths, cops, robbers, doctors, lawyers, lots of stuff. And I don't, you know what? I don't know if I've ever cast anyone who's won an Oscar or been nominated, but that's something that I We'll find out. But anyway, look, I want to do an Oscar podcast, but I have a, a very tricky relationship with the Oscars these days. And the one person I really wanted to talk about this with, I mean, there really is no other person. There's no better person. He is my very good friend. He's been my coworker. What else? He's been the father of my children. Yeah, I'm that's that, that's on my that, that's on my resume. He is the I, father of my, oops, he is the father of my children. That's true. Let me introduce you all to the wonderful Paul Francis Sullivan. Hi, that's Paul. me. That is me. Yes. You, we have, we do have co-productions. Yes. And I am an absolute Oscar addict. Mm -hmm. I've seen every best picture winner. I've seen almost the, every best picture nominee since 1950. The one I just can't, uh, uh, not counting this year, the one I just still haven't brought myself to watching is the uh, the film where the guy strips the peach. <laughs> okay. It's Ameri 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 It's called, Ameri was it American Peach? What was the name of that film? I like your name. Call me by your name. Call, you by, call me by your name. Okay, yeah. Which... I have to stop you for a second. You were actually very famous for the fact that you have seen yes. every well every Oscar winning film. Every one of all time. Yes. I was on AMC. And then every and then the and then every Oscar nominated film. Mm -hmm. All the way back. All the way back. Oh, well, all the way to, uh, to 1950. There there are some straggling ones in the 30s and 40s, which I still have to catch up on. Yeah. But but yeah, you, but you were famous about this and you were in a commercial because yes. of this, right? Yes, for yes I was. And I will post that commercial because it's one of my favorite things in the world. Yes. It became uh, I love the Oscars. There's two things in the world besides the children that we've made. There are two things in pop culture that I love and I obsess over our baseball and the Oscars and I love them both so much. And there's, I, I understand intellectually the Oscars are a very flawed institution, just like major league baseball is. And I don't care. I still, I love them. I think they're, I love them even when they do upset me because it's like a great film scavenger hunt. 
it's a great understanding cross section of what was popular and relevant and always fascinating what films don't get nominated mm-hmm. and i everyone enjoys something that's dopey everyone i love the people who say who criticize the people who obsess over the royals and yet they get dressed up as their favorite football player or they get dressed up as Gandalf at Comic-Con or or as Black Panther at the new premiere. Everyone has something like that that they're into. And I have two. Wait, when you say the Royals, do you mean the baseball team? What are you talking no, about? No, I actually, I actually meant the, I know, it's. A, I, I meant like the the princess and Meghan Markle oh, and that Royals. Okay. All right, we're, we're, we're tangent. We're tangent. No, but I'm just saying that I'm, I'm, I, I do love the Oscars and I get into them every year. And I understand. Yeah, I mean, the Oscars used to be for me such a defining event and you'd get so emotional about what won, what didn't won, what went nominated, blah, blah, blah. And you used to spend lots of, I used to spend lots of time or we all spent lots of time trying to figure out what are they, what are the, who are they going to give it to? What are they going to do? Why did they, this happen? And then I worked for a very famous director who one day just dropped this piece of paper on my desk, which was his Oscar ballot and said, I haven't seen any of these movies. Will you vote for me? So I voted for him. And ever since then, I've been sort of disillusioned by it because there is no they that get together and say, okay, here are the reasons why this film or this actor, this actress or this whatever should win. When we kind of think of them like this body, like some congressional body that, you know, (laughs) filibusters for this or whatever. I think of it like the trial in Superman when General Zod was there and you saw all the faces floating up there and they go, guilty, guilty. And then they, they make the same decisions like, parasite, parasite, parasite. <laughs> then they put parasite in the envelope and they send that off. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fun because in, when we lived in New York, we would all get dressed up and we would go over to somebody's house and you, know, you were you were famous for hosting your yes, Oscar party. Yes, I had huge Oscar parties. Um, and, yeah. yeah. Well, look at and I, I understand intellectually what you're saying. You were in backstage watching the magician shoving doves up his sleeves. You get it, and and I have that same sense. Like when I watch reality TV, I produced on some reality TV shows. I don't want to brag, but when you work on one of those and you realize, oh, I'm writing the things that these people are going to say and telling them where to stand. You can't watch a reality show after that. They're like, oh, man, we're capturing these people's essence. Like, no, it's we're watching a play, basically, that is taking place in you know the woods or with Kardashians. So yeah. I, I understand that much like I understand that the, the baseball players, it's not some sort of, oh, tranquil hearkening back to the days of your I get it. It's a big business, but I still. I still have fun. I still, yeah. I, I still manage to enjoy it. And I'll also say when a lot of times I think people, a lot of people are saying about some of the Oscars now, well, it's not the way it was when I was younger. Well, when you read articles about the Oscars, like in the seventies and there were people just not showing up and mm-hmm. the general consensus was, it's not what it used to be. It's not the relevance is gone. Mm -hmm. It's not that. And to the point when Jack Lemmon won for the film Save the Tiger, he basically said, I don't care if people don't like the Oscars. I love winning. In recent years, especially, there has been a great deal of criticism about this award. 
and probably a great deal of that criticism is very justified. I would just like, just like to say that whether it's justified or not, I think it is one hell of an honor, and I am thrilled. And I thank you all very, very much. And it became, it became almost a status symbol to have when they list the nominations to just have your photograph there. Ah, he didn't show up. De Niro didn't show up or, or Dustin Hoffman did, or, or famously you had within two years, George C. Scott won for Patton and he openly campaigned against himself. He said, I don't care. Oscars are stupid. I'm going to stay home and watch a hockey game. And then when Marlon Brando won famously, famously sent Sasheen Littlefeather up there to reject the Oscar that he won for The Godfather. And how, I mean, so many times this person wasn't there, that person wasn't there, and it became cool not to show up. And then, of course, in the 80s, it became cool to hate the Oscars because the ceremony itself was so ridiculous. It got And finishing with Rob Lowe doing his memorable duet with Snow White before the 1989 Oscars in the most infamous Oscar opening mm-hmm. ceremony of all time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just so every, it's kind of like people have been writing articles about baseball dying since the 1870s. And people have been writing about how the Oscars are no longer relevant since as long as I've been alive. So uh, I take a little bit of that with a grain of salt, but I will say this. I think we've seen a cultural shift between movies and television. And the Oscars used to have that sense of these were the best writers. Mm-hmm. Well, there are TV writers, but they aspired to be movie writers. There are TV actors, but they aspired to be movie actors. I think the best writing and acting is being done on television or what yeah. we or what is eligible for the Emmys, as the movies yeah. are much more interested in figuring out, can we reboot Batman in the middle of a Batman film? And so I think that there's the the Vince Gilligans and the yeah, I was just gonna say like the relationships that you have with television writers are just so much more intense because yeah. they're long term the relationships you have with the actors and and their arcs and their right. transformations is just so much more satisfying to me anyway but yeah, you know. I think for and for most people when you think about what are gonna be when we look back at the 2010s and the 2020s that the what are going to be the big cultural pop culture moments there's going to be a lot more of shows whether it's game of thrones walking dead stranger things breaking bad these are going to be the things that people remember a lot more than spider-man 8 i think mm. and and more than uh, to the point more than a lot of the movies that went wind up winning the oscars for best picture not that there's not that the films have been winning the Oscars have been bad. I thought Parasite was a wonderful film. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to be when people look back at where the big Shape of Water was a fine movie. Moonlight was a good movie. Spotlight, I mean, Birdman. These are all 12 Years a Slave. All good movies. Except for? I hated Green Book. And? There's a famous one that you're not mentioning. I mean, it's famous in our house for being. Well, there was I hated uh, The English Patient. Is that what you're talking about? Or crash? Yeah. Crash. Crash. Oh, well, everybody hates Crash. I mean, that's I never just, saw it. Oh, uh, well, you, you, and that's why that's why you're lucky. As as our, my as our mutual friend Chris Luca said, it's not even the best film called Crash. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm, I'm, I'm very honored, and I thank the Academy for your support. And I, and I also thank uh, Tom Hanks and Max von Sydow and James Olmos and, and my good friend Gene Hackman for their wonderful work, even if they didn't vote for me. <laughs> I didn't vote for you guys either. <laughs> I think one of the things that I cannot wrap my head around is criteria. That's the one thing. Like, what is the criteria for best film? Nobody knows. What is the criteria when we say best actor or actress? What is the bar? What is, is it the biggest transformation? Is it that, what, what I mean? So it's so hard to have parody in any of this. And as we know, some people get, at least we on the inside baseball movies no some people are rewarded for performances that are not even nominated right yeah like they're well, getting I, an oscar because of something they did a long time ago that they get lost out on there are lots of makeup oscars makeup oscars are as as old as the academy they're like oh sorry we should have given it you for that we're you instead you'll get this and and there's there's always there i i Someone smarter than me said they should do the five. They should do a five-year wait for the Oscars. You should be able to have five years to watch all the movies, think about it, because some films really strike you when they come out. As there's a lot of Oscar bait that comes out, but the really best films sometimes take a few years to rise to the surface and come to the light. And I think that, and there's sometimes you feel super manipulated by some movies mm-hmm. that, that kind of trick you into, into voting for them. I think that it's interesting when you look back at past Oscar winners, that how many times it seems like sometimes the criteria is a big, huge, epic film that caught everybody's attention. I mean, The Godfather won Best Picture. Titanic won Best Picture. Sound of Music won Best Picture. I mean, there's just some, the, the Lord of the Rings won Best Picture. There's some films that are just. Did these, it? I don't even remember. Oh, the, the final Lord of the Rings did. Oh. And then sometimes, like uh, a film like Slumdog Millionaire or 12 Years a Slave, sometimes it's a film that sort of captures what is the critical zeitgeist of that time. Sure. I, it's, it, 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 one of the things I find interesting as watching all the best picture winners over time is you see that there is no one type of best picture winner that there are certain, even the fifties, which was a time of big sort of massive Bible epics and musical, a film like Marty, which is a very small film about a romance wound up winning best picture on the waterfront wound up winning best two black and white films amidst all these technicolor epics. So it's it really is, and I'm going to get through this a little bit when we're talking about the films of this year. It's really about what is at that at that particular moment of post Christmas time voters, what film is kind of in their consciousness at that point. And it's interesting to watch what kind of films get rewarded, and that does re- result in things like a massive injustice in voting, which requires sort of a do-over like for example art carney winning best actor for harry and tonto fine film he defeated jack nicholson in chinatown and al pacino in godfather part two wow whoops wow you know 
And so there, there are things, and then, but eventually Nicholson got his for Cuckoo's Nest, but Pacino didn't get his until Scent of a Woman, of which he wound up defeating Denzel Washington in Malcolm X. So he had to have his makeup when he did Training Day. I mean, there's also, it's sometimes, wow. it's like Judy Dench winning for Shakespeare in Love, where she was in the film for about seven minutes longer than I was. And, but it was a sense that that was kind of like, we got to give you, we got to give Judy something. We got to give Judy something. And so mm -hmm. it, it it's there through history. There's a big sort of ebb and flow, but getting back to something I said earlier, when you look at, there was a period of time that Oscar films were not just the prestige project that they were going to try to win a trophy for their ego at the end of the year, but they were also the films that were the big, box office hits that they were aiming for. I mean, films like Ten Commandments, Going My Way, The Graduate, Butch Cassidy, Sound of Music, My Fair Lady, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, The Sting. These were all the highest grossing films of that year. Kramer versus Kramer was the Avengers of that year. That was the top box office draw of 1979. And if you look up to now, with the one exception, which was the year that American Sniper was the highest grossing film, every other film that's the highest grossing film is either a fran either in a franchise or a Pixar film or, or something along those lines. And so there's kind of a, a cultural shift, I think, a little bit in what even the purpose of the Oscars are. The Oscars are to pat themselves on the back. So you're seeing more, you ask what makes for a, uh, a best picture winner now. I think it's more of the film that the industry can feel good about themselves. It's kind of the the broccoli or the peas on the plate besides all the 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 sweets and goodness of the franchise films that roll in all the money. Yeah, and of course, let me just clarify to the listeners, this is not my Oscar podcast. This is the pre-Oscar podcast as I'm trying to figure out how to have an Oscar podcast. So I'm trying to, I was talking with Dean and Brian, my usual co-host, like maybe we should do something different. And I'm sort of thinking, I mean, looking at an actor's performance, there's a ton that I could say about each and every performer that's been nominated and their performance in whatever film they're nominated, but you can't help but look at it through the lens of a career. And maybe there is a better best performance in something else they did than what they're being nominated for. Oh, I don't know. I just want, I don't want to do prognosticating. Like I said, I'm very jaded about who actually wins. Yeah. I don't want to, I almost want, or I want to look at the best films and pick out somebody who was not nominated who absolutely was the best thing about a film or some of the best actor, actress nominees, who else was in the film with them that I think delivered a better performance. So I'm just sort of trying to find what really it means to me to elevate these performances and projects and look at them in, in just a different way because they're such apples orangutans they're just it's just so hard you apples know? orangutans yeah they're apples and i mean it's like trying to compare oh, know, it's apples I, and oranges not orangutans that's 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 the joke oh i'm <laughs> sorry i just i i just saw for a minute you lost your mind 
Well, you I'm know sorry. That that's true. Of course it is. So, I, I will say that the, one of the things I think is interesting about this year is that what I had mentioned before, that it was whatever film was getting kind of either critical or financial momentum at the time. I mean, Green Book is the biggest example of that, that I can think of in recent years, where there were other films that were coming out that year. But Green Book, right around the time of the voting, was starting to gain momentum at the box office and with critics. And it, so now that gets cemented as the best picture of the year. This year, because we haven't been going, there hasn't been that sort of box office momentum that you normally have. Yeah, yeah. This is this really feels like when you have like like in Tropic Thunder or in Three Amigos or Who Framed Roger Rabbit when they have fake movie posters hanging up there. But you had like uh, what the 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 Three Amigos shooting for love, or you have Goodwill Hunting two in one of those Clerks films. <laughs> you know, that you have it's like man like there's these fake or like in Seinfeld whenever they would go to the movies it was always a fake movie that they were like we're gonna go see yeah. Chun we're gonna see Chunnel tonight <laughs> and all these films feel like Chunnel to me because they, it's it's hard to get a sense that like for example I went to a, a sports betting site today and they have the odds for the Oscars mm -hmm. and as of right now we're recording this on the 20th day of March in the year of our Lord, 2021. And right now, Nomadland is the odds-on favorite to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. And that's a film that, for, for as far as I know, hasn't been in the theaters. And there no. hasn't been that sort of normal momentum. Even a film like Parasite was a box office success that caught people off guard. Like, this is kind of like, this is Chunnel. No, well, I think that it's getting a lot of attention for Chloe Zhao, the yeah. director, and certainly, certainly one of my favorite actresses, Frances McDormand. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I don't know how to cover this. I haven't, I've only seen, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the right one. I've only seen Promising Young Woman thus far of all I've, of the things nominated. What have you I've, seen? I've seen Promising Young Woman. I watched that last night. Mm -hmm. I saw Minari, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very nice movie. I know that sounds uh, condescending, but it's like I've that, when that was over, I said that was nice. I saw Mank, which don't I ha okay? Go ahead. No. Well, I'll just say I mean it was it. Uh, it's 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 well it's it's an obviously it's a well made movie. It's David Fincher. It's got a mm -hmm. wonderful cast. Mm -hmm. The Trial of Chicago Seven, which is the trial of about twenty actors who thought they were going to be nominated for best you know acting because everyone was kind of boxing out for their Oscar clip in that film. Very well-made film, of course. I think that I, I they nominated Borat, who is great as Abby Hoffman, but I thought Mark Rylance as Kunstler should have been the nominee. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. I love uh, But I, I have what's called, and I have this in baseball, I have this also with Oscars, I have what I call the Coen Brothers rule. And that is, I can't be upset when someone doesn't get nominated when they've already been a winner. Yeah. Sure. So Mark I, Mark Rylance, I think, deserved to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor for that film, but he already has an Oscar on his mantle, and so I can't get too upset. Like, oh, the Oscars have always ignored him. I know, no, but they haven't. see, I guess for me, it should be Best Performance, because if, if that performance was the best performance of the year, it doesn't matter that he already, that he already has the Oscar. So we, we personify these awards and it takes it away from the craft to me. I agree in theory. I just am trying to 
relieve things that cause me stress in life. So one of the things that's not going to cause me any stress in life is that Mark Rylance isn't up for his second Oscar. I can't be, I can't treat that as a great injustice. It was when someone got mad one year that Mike Trout didn't win the MVP. I said, he's won it three times. I can't get upset that he doesn't have four. I just, at some point I got to say, do you want someone else has it this year? Just let, just let it be. I know you were upset about I Mike was. Trout not I, winning the MVP. Charlie Tuna didn't win either. I was really upset about that. Exactly. Um, so or, or, I am or Tim ex- Tim Salmon, another angel. Yes. They love the fish. Um, so I am excited to see Sound of Metal. That's something I have been wanting to see and I just mm-hmm. never got around to it. I love Riz. I mean, I've been a huge fan of his forever and that I'm expecting great things of his performance, but already the subtlety and and the depth of the performances in the past, I'm going to be comparing that to this. Judas and the Black Messiah, I have not seen. Neither have I seen Minari or Mank. The Father. So The Father is not a film that you or I particularly want to see. Nope. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> there's, a, there's always one film that they nominate that I kind of slump my shoulder. Oh, God. I got to see that one. I remember when you... <laughs> Wait, what was it? It was either I think you were watching Precious and you were uh, watching it next to me. And I did yeah. not want to see, even though I I the casting director is somebody who I worked for and I love and, and I I am sure it was an amazing everything I've heard about it and the clips I've seen. All the amazing. all the acting is incredible. All the acting is absolutely it looked incredible, but I I could not, I don't think that the subject matter was just too much for me from what I knew. But yeah, it's not funny. But you were sitting next to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're watching it with your headphones on. Yeah. I could not see the screen. <laughs> but you were literally flinching. Yeah. And oh geez oh my god you were your your reaction to it did not make me feel like i wanted to no it was it was it was like the two girls one cup reactions you watching me watch precious i mean and again wonderful film i mean wonderfully made film uh wonderfully acted film uniformly great performances in that i have absolutely no issues with the film winning the awards that it did win yeah okay all that disclaimer wow i i needed to i said i need to watch children of men to cheer myself up (laughs) i think the other film like that was extremely loud and incredibly close but for a very different reason because i i truly loathe the film extremely loud incredibly close i i thought it, it was it was one of the worst films I've ever seen in my, I thought it was the room level bad. It was and extremely it, bad and incredibly yeah. long. With, with an incredible, <laughs> with an unbelievably talented cast. I mean, like, again, this is not, this is not about the, the quality of the filmmakers. I just thought it was the most cloying, manipulative, yeah, and I thought cynical thing I'd ever saw. And I saw that it was a, as a screener, and I thought to myself when it was over, I said, like, why did I sit through that? There's no way they're nominating that for Best Picture. <laughs> Lo and behold, when they got nominated, I just sat, I just slumped, and I said, well, I'm glad I got that homework done. Yeah, it shouldn't feel like homework to watch these films. Oh, when you said The Room, I just want to clarify, you don't mean Room. No, not Room. No, no, no. I, oh, 
Oh, Room is a great movie. I have Room not is seen a- that either. That's another one. I, I really, I don't like conflict. <laughs> oh, then you won't like Room. You will not like Room. No, no, no. no. Room is a really, with Captain Marvel's great in it. And the yeah. kid is incredible. And it, there's one scene in it where I was squirming for, like, it was just, it was, I saw it in the, I saw it in the theater. And I almost, I was yelling up to the projectionist, just pause it. Turn the film off for a second. I need now, a minute. Now, I have seen The Room. Ironically yes. enough. Yes. Not a Best Picture winner. Which is a very different movie. Yes. We're up to Best Actor, so let's see which one you like, you really, really like. <laughs> I mean, I do want to see the performances of all of the Best Actor nominees, but I got to tell you, I mean, to beat Chadwick Boseman in my eyes, and I have seen none of the other performances, it, it would take a miracle. No, he's going to win. He's going to win. That... that well, not only that, but he, that he, it is one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. And, and, and if, even if you, you look back at all of his other great performances, I think it is just spectacular to use a phrase and, and singular. I mean, just what he's doing for me, looking at it from an acting point of view is so just clever and smart and, and cheeky and, just, I mean, I was so excited after watching that performance and especially, be- and all the actors in that movie, because they really stayed true to the play and it feels like a play in the best way where the scenes are very elongated and intense and sustained intensity in a way that only theater and when you actually see an August Wilson play, I, I just really admired it. And it takes such stamina to do those scenes. But anyway, I, I have a hard time believing anybody, but I'm gonna well, I, 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 I don't think anyone else has a chance. And of course, this is the second of this series of the August Wilson films. I think it's the second one. I know Fences came out a few okay. years ago. Yeah. This one was also produced by Denzel Washington. And I think there's a lot of obviously I haven't seen the film yet. I'm looking forward to watching it. Everyone I don't know who saw it said that this was an Oscar caliber performance, even if he was still alive. I think the fact that we we have lost an extraordinarily talented actor who also was mm. the star of one of the biggest and the biggest and most influential blockbusters of this generation. Yes, very and, and and a sense that kind of like yeah. kind of also like yeah, Black Panther. And also when Heath Ledger died after playing the Joker in in Dark Knight, that there was a sense of this is a career that was about to blossom in about 58 different directions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That both Chadwick Boseman and Heath Ledger would have moved on from their leading man status to have very long careers where they could play uh, and probably even more interesting where they could play character roles and and play interesting roles for decades to come and so the fact that 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 was the great thing about the joker and about chadwick boseman's role in maureen you'll see when you see it those they are characters i mean Mm -hmm. they they were definitely leading men actors still but they embrace the the character and 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 like you say these are not sympathy nominations these this is if they win not a sympathy vote. It is a very well-deserved, both of these performances and how much I love 
that performance in Heath Ledger. I think it's brilliant and I could, I love watching it. Your buddy Riz is nominated for, uh, Riz Ahmed is nominated for Sound of Metal. Mm -hmm. Steven Yun is, is, is wonderful in Minari. They are, they're not going to win. And the other two nominees are Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman. It's a Bram Stoker's Dracula reunion in uh leading <laughs> I role. About that. Oh my god. Dracula and Van Helsing are face to face. And I think they're actually they were both in the second Hannibal Lecter film together too. Neither one of them are gonna win. They're they've both won before. And so the competition there is pretty wide open and he's gonna win. One of all these nominations all the nominations, the only one that I think is an absolute slam dunk is Chadwick Boseman. This is exactly what I didn't want to do is prognosticate. Okay. And, but that's okay. okay. That's okay. That's what I was talking about real quick. So I've only seen, I've seen Carrie Mulligan in Promising Women. I've seen Viola Davis, obviously, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I have not seen Audra Day. And I'm sorry, mm -hmm. we haven't seen Andrew Day or Frances McDormand or Vanessa Kirby. But again, it's going to be it would take as almost a superhuman feat to beat Viola Davis for me because again, she's just so extraordinary. All the things that she's doing in her performance are just brilliant. And in a layered way that mm -hmm. I, I could just dig through those layers and yeah. peel them back one at a time. And, but well, have you, if you haven't seen except for Carrie, I mean, I love that performance. One yeah. I think she's going to win. I think Promising Young Woman, Carrie Bonga, I think she's going to win. Really? Yeah. Um, France, but, I think maybe. France but but, but Frances Dorman, she's won twice. Viola Davis has won once. But that may not stop that. I mean, I don't know. As I said, there's no clear. For, to do prognostication. It's why it's so weird to do prognostications about yeah. this. Because oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There is well, no that's way. I'm, I'm agreeing with you that there's. No, there's that's stop arguing with me. Why are we arguing about I this? I don't know. Okay. Because the. These are either films that a lot of people either haven't seen or haven't seen them in the theater and haven't had that sort of momentum. I mean, you're right. To, like, I was looking at supporting actor. I was looking at supporting actress. And I'm like, going, geez, how do you even pick one? The only the only sort of sort of Jack Palance and City Slickers, we've got to get this person an Oscar before it's too late situation in any of the categories is Glenn Close who's nominated for the Hillbilly Elegy film, mm -hmm. which right. got almost as bad reviews as The Room. And I have not seen it, but I I've, not see, I've not seen it either. Everyone in their moose thought Glenn Close was going to win a few years ago in The Wife. Everyone thought she was going to win when I'm going to Olivia Coleman. And Glenn Close has been nominated for many, many films. And mm -hmm. some of them just some iconic roles, absolutely iconic roles. And she, she's never won. And you well, don't I think know. She, I think she thought she was going to win that last time. because Everyone was, did. She Everyone did. And to be, to be in this category with these extraordinary women and Glenn Close, I, you've been my idol for so long and this is not how I, I wanted it to be. And I, I think you're amazing. I love you very much. It's like the whatever you say, you, you were talking about like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> really wanting that Oscar. Oh, God, he slept <laughs> in a horse. That's how bad he wanted the Oscar. In fact, the last shot of the I'm really cold slept in a horse movie was the very final shot of him is he's staring into the camera and of like a 
it was, it was, I think the film is still going on. It was so long and so slow. And if you really, really, really want to see Thomas Hardy say the word pelts, then that film is for you. He says pelts 700,000 times. And then cut to trees, cut to a bear, cut to a horse that Leo's asleep in. And he's staring. The last shot is him staring into the camera. And I started laughing in the movie theater in uh, Redwood City where I saw it because I thought he was going to say, can I please have my Oscar? What do I have to do to win an Oscar? And they um, finally gave it to him to just to sort of to finally, just, all right, enough, Leo. Would you please start having fun? Yeah. But, uh, so I'm just noticing this because I really haven't been paying attention, but best performance by an actor in a supporting role, you have Daniel Kulea for Judas mm -hmm. and the Black Messiah and Lakeith yep. Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. And don't they play Judas and the Black Messiah? Yeah. I haven't seen the film, but this happens sometimes when a film is like an ensemble film that they say we have a better shot of getting a nomination and supporting than in, in ridiculous. Of course it is. I mean, Al, pa Al Pacino. They should have Al been both nominated. Al Pacino was nominated for best supporting actor in The Godfather. No, um, no he wasn't. Yes, yes. Timothy Hutton won best supporting actor in Ordinary People. He's in every. He's in every sink. No, but okay. Did Al Pacino win for Godfather one or two? Neither. He won for Scent of a Woman going, oh. but he was he was nominated <laughs> as in, in Godfather as, 2. He was the Godfather. Yes. So in Godfather 2, he was nominated for Best Actor. But in Godfather, the Godfather, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, OK. Well, I understand that. Um, OK, well, there you go. Well, then I guess. But like Viola Davis won for Best Supporting Actress fences when she could easily have been in fact she may have had more screen time yeah. than denzel washington there, there's 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 yeah, manipulations right. like that that from time to time when you see supporting nomination which very like the, okay the weirdest one to me is heath ledger was nominated for best actor in, in brokeback Broke mountain. mountain and jake gyllenhaal was nominated for best supporting actor yeah yeah and I don't have a stopwatch on the screen time there. I thought they were co-leads. Now, there are all kinds of directors. There are spectator directors, dictator directors, directors that are kind and tolerant. They're understanding. There are also directors that are mean and petty and contemptible. Some directors are short. <laughs> and some are tall. Some are old and some are young. There are American directors, French, Czechoslovakian, and English directors, etc. There are directors who know everything about human behavior and nothing about the camera. There are directors who know camera angles, camera lenses, camera sprockets, and depth of focus, but who are totally ignorant of the human condition. We have all of these directors with us tonight.
Explain to me the difference between best film and best directing. Because um, I do not understand that equivocation. I think there are some films that are sometimes looked upon as like a, a director showcase. Like usually, like, like if for the lack of a better term, it's a film that is maybe more of a uh, t- giant technical achievement. Sometimes you see films that are really, you know, technically complicated are the ones who wind up winning. Even if there's, I'm trying to think of times when there's the picture and director don't line up. And that, that has happened a few times. Sometimes it's a way like, I'm trying to think of a way like La La Land won best director and Moonlight won best picture in a way that's a way to honor two films in one shot. But maybe you look at La La Land as the technical qualities of doing the dance number on the off ramp and the highway, all the musical things use something and and the, the different elements need to come together for that might be something that is more for the lack of a better term, impressive for the voters. Gravity winning Best Director, 12 Years a Slave winning Best Picture. Gravity is a very complicated special effects film. I mean, I mean... It, it, I think that's all just a bunch of hooey. I don't think that there is a, a, dem- a line of demarcation. I can't... Well, I'm trying to... Out. I'm trying to... And sometimes it's a way... I mean, like when, when Crash won Best Picture... I think one of the, here's one of the things that happens. I think the Directors Guild nominates the directors and everyone votes on, everyone nominates picture and votes on picture. So there may be a situation where you're punching the card for a director you want to honor. I don't know. I mean, like it just, just, it, it does seem like a strange, a strange separation that you yeah, could, because you could I win. Defy, you could, I defy anybody to look at a film and tell and and tell me, okay, that was the director's choice, or that wasn't due to the director. I mean, that wasn't the director's choice. Or I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, well, it, the... It's one of it's one of the quirks of the Oscars that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. That you sometimes there's something that it this sort of frustration is one of the things I actually like about the Oscars. So you say, how do, can you like like the the Godfather won Best Picture, but Francis Coppola did not win Best Director. Mm-hmm. Bob Fosse won Best Director for Cabaret that year. Now Francis Coppola did not go empty-handed; he won the screenplay, and two years later he won three Oscars for The Godfather Part Two. But it's sometimes it's a way to honor a director over a, a separate director. Sometimes it's a way to almost split the honors of well, then just then have know. 10 nominations i mean it's just weird and i don't think that the the average person or even <clears throat> the inside movie person could really define for me what is the uh, what is the difference between what you think was a director was responsible for as opposed to what as opposed to the producers or well, and, and, and 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 there's sometimes that 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 different that sort of the head scratching elements of the Oscars is one of the things that I enjoy like I'm going to go I'm scrolling up here to 1976 and you had 
Ingmar Bergman, one of the most revered directors of all time, was nominated for Face to Face, to Face that year. Lino Vertemuller, who was the first woman to be nominated for Best Director, was nominated for Seven Beauties that year. You also had Sidney Lumet for Network. You had Alan J. Pakula for All the President's Men. Note that you don't have Martin Scorsese for Taxi Driver. And the winner that year was John Adelson for Rocky. And you could point to the success of Rocky was the script. And you also could say that it was the producers, Chartoff and Winkler, who were really the creative people behind that. And Adelson was hired because he was a good director of actors and pretty very much a good traffic cop type director for a low budget film. Mm-hmm. And he winds up winning the Oscars over some big time, heavy duty, all time great directors. It's it's di- very difficult to point point out why. I mean, by I the way, it was like, I, 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 like you said, like a summation of everything coming together. So it's the best picture because of the costumes and the this and the that and it's in addition to the directing. But then it's like then it's only going to be like then only spectacle movies should be nominated. Well, that yeah, like the very next year, Woody Woody Allen won for Annie Hall over George Lucas and Star Wars and Star Wars won. Star Wars swept almost every category like art direction, sound design, costume design, this and that. Close Encounters, another film, a lot of effects won cinematography, but Annie Hall won picture. And then a couple yeah. of years later, Kramer versus Kramer, which is again, another you know low key New York film, one director and two of the films nominated that year were all that jazz, which had, Oh, a little bit of spectacle in it. And then Francis Coppola again for apocalypse now. Yeah. Which but, was, but then there are plenty of movies like Min- I haven't seen Minari. I would bet that it's a fairly low, lower budget indie movie and that it's not going to be a big spectacle and no. that there has to be room for that. I agree. I agree. I mean, but there's, I don't know. I think it's just take, take a look at, take a look at the last bunch of best directors. Not a lot of Americans I'm going to list here, but you have Parasite, Roma, Shape of Water, La La Land, Leo Asleep in a Horse, Birdman, <laughs> Gravity, Life of Pi, The Artist, they're all over the map here. I mean, you would think that 1917, which came out last year, which oh. had was technically oh my god, incredibly wow. intricate, wow, and and I thought that was going to win. And again, I actually like Parasite better than 1917 as a movie, so I have no problem. And again, Coen Brothers rule: Sam Mendes has already won an Oscar, so I can't get too too upset about him not winning another one. Mm-hmm. It's just it's 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 all interesting. I wanted to be part of the world, but I didn't see anyone like me in it. I hear about a summer camp for the handicapped run by hippies. Somebody said you probably will smoke dope with the counselors, and I'm like, sign me up. We have a very special kudos to give for best documentary feature. Do you want to tell people about that? Oh, yes. The film Crip Camp, which is available on Netflix. If you have Netflix, all you got to do is move your thumb. You could be watching it before you're within the hour is uh, produced and directed by my dear friend, James Lebrecht, who was the sound mixer of the film that I directed and co-wrote in 2007, 
where I didn't, I was not nominated for best director. The Coen brother, Coen brothers won that year for no country for old men. I yeah. was not nominated for best supporting actress, which I think is and a you, crime. Yes. And you would have been, you would have been lead. We put you in as lead. Or but, I didn't know uh, it best secretary for that year. Yes. Anyway. But James Lebrecht works is a wonderful sound mixer based out of Berkeley and he produced and directed a documentary feature called Crip Camp. And it is a wonderful movie. I, I've, I saw it before the nominee. I saw it when it came out. I was supportive of him. He is a dear friend, extremely talented man, and is now finally an Academy Award nominee. Now, I thought he was going to be an Academy Award nominee for Best Sound or Sound Mixing because he's been a very accomplished sound mixer for many films and television shows mm-hmm. over the years. But hey, get it where you can, and yeah. I, I hope. And in, fa- in fact, I think this is a higher profile nomination than yeah. Sound. I think more yeah. people are familiar with, especially these days, where more and more people are watching documentaries than ever before. Mm-hmm. I've actually mentioned Crip Camp to some people, and they're like, "Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I saw that because Netflix and Hulu and Amazon allow so so many documentaries are so much easier to get access to them than before." So I have a huge rooting interest yes. for this. I'm, I'm rooting for it. I hope it wins. I have no idea if it's the odds on. Uh, but normally documentary feature is one of those weird categories that people fill out and shrug. Although not as much anymore. It's getting more and more notes because of the popularity of the documentaries that have come out recently. But I'm cheering big time for Crip Camp. Yeah. It's impossible not to root for James Lebrecht. Just not just as a human being and as a talented man and someone who's overcome so much in his life that you don't even think about that after a while. You just think about his incredible talents. And I hope that he does win the Academy Award because I'd love right. my buddy because to be an I Oscar winner. I don't think we mentioned, but Jim is a wheelchair user and that mm-hmm. is kind of, yep. that's what Crip Camp is about because this was a yep. camp that he attended when he was a child. Yeah. And it, yes, the and he's kind, kind of. Yeah, and he's he was born without use of his legs, and so his whole life he has been in a wheelchair. And I'll tell you the thing about one of the things about Jim, besides the fact he's incredibly talented, has one of the loudest laughs you'll ever hear in your <laughs> life, and the big, huge kind of hippie beard and wearing his tie dye stuff because he's been using a wheelchair his whole life. His arms and his shoulders are like Lou Ferrigno. They're gigantic. You never want to arm wrestle with this guy because he just is constantly in use of his arms and shoulders, and they are built up so much. But he's a Oscar-nominated filmmaker and extraordinarily talented sound mixer and wonderful human being and friend first in my eyes. And, and so- I think you had a T-shirt from his company. Yes. And it had a quote on it. It had a really wonderful quote on it that said, I asked for quiet, not silence, mm-hmm. right? Which yep. is such a wonderful insight into the world of sound mixers and sound design because there's all the difference in the world between quiet and silence. What I'm saying is root for Crip Camp. It's a great film anyway, <laughs> even if he didn't get nominated. But yep. uh, the fact that he was nominated is... Oh, man, I'm so thrilled for my friend. Yeah, it's 
always great when that happens. I still don't know what I'm going to do for my Oscar podcast. So I don't know if this pre-Oscar podcast for the Oscar podcast has really helped, but it has been very enjoyable speaking to you. Well, why don't you... Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice to see you again. Maybe, I mean, this is kind of how I'm watching it myself, because you know I'm going to watch it and I'll get into it. I just basically watch it as without thinking about how it's going to affect the box office or its legacy, just to think of what do I want to see? What would make me happy to see? Not even who deserves it. It's like, which one of, which one of these people do I want to see standing up there saying something or, or being honored? And just sort of, subjective. Well, of course it's subjective. Yeah. The Oscars themselves are subjective. I mean, in 1982, you had the you had the verdict. You also had missing, and then you had Tootsie, and you had ET, and you had Gandhi. Yeah, tell the people what your reaction was. Oh, I hated I hated Gandhi. <laughs> I hated it. I was 10 years old, and I was rooting for ET. I was a 10 year old boy. I was Elliot's age. And I was rooting for E.T. And Gandhi wound up winning Best Picture over E.T. And I yelled out loud, I hate you, Gandhi. <laughs> I haven't seen. Oh, well, I'm a 10-year-old kid. I'm not going to go see Gandhi. Hey, Paul, you're 10 years old. You want to sit for three hours and watch a history lesson? Or do you want to see E.T., who's your age, playing with Star Wars figures and, and flying across the moon? Gee whiz, tough call. And now oh. do your impersonation of Lauren Bacall not winning. Not winning. Oh, yeah, that was the great, that, that was the, I think, the most stunning upset ever in Oscar history because everybody thought Lauren Bacall, who they knew she, she had her big comeback role. She had never won. She had never been nominated. Obviously, they were going to give it to her. And they wound up giving it to, um, Juliet Binoche in The English Patient, who was dressed, she she was dressed as Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon when she wound up winning the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. And and actually, she's, I hate The English Patient. She's amazing in the film. She's the only good thing in the movie. But the expression that Lauren Bacall has, uh, you play poker with Lauren. She didn't, she didn't hide her feelings. And so, so you do you be the person opening the envelope and the Oscar goes to Julia Panache. Okay. Now remember this is an oral medium. You're gonna I have I, I'm to well aware, I'm well aware of it. I'm well aware. It. Okay. I'm well aware of it. And who announced the Oscar? Do you remember? Let's see, it would have been the best supporting actor from the year before. So it must have been Kevin Spacey. Nothing problematic about that. Okay, let me let me do my best Kevin Spacey. And the Oscar goes to Juliette Binoche. <laughs> Smoke coming out of her ears. <laughs> my Lord, the call Oh, my God. That was funny. <laughs> Okay. Anything else? Anything else from your Oscar? You just had me growl. <laughs> there was one other thing that you did in your Oscar commercials. I, I I did a variation of the joke. I did. I said that they the watching the English patient and thinking this film may not end. I did a variation <laughs> of that when I talked when I talked about the Revenant. Uh, it still it still is going on. 
So yeah, that's, that's basically that's a version of it. I've been doing that joke. Uh, I, the actually the first time I ever did that joke was for a film called The Portrait of a Lady, which was an Oscar nominee for Barbara Hershey. Um, and it was a film. I think Jane Campion directed it, starred Nicole Kidman. Yeah. The first time I did that joke, I said, like, I'm watching this film and it dawned on me, this film may not end. This film just may <laughs> keep going and going. And eventually the characters of the screen look into the camera and go, say, you can go home whenever you want. We're going to be here a while. Right. But um, the last one I'll ask you to redo was Ghost, right? Oh, Ghost. <laughs> well, that was, Ghost was actually, that was at my first ever kind of Oscar get together my freshman year of college with a bunch of film dorks and I believe uh, future and glorious bastard Eli Roth was there and some very very good films were nominated for best screenplay that year I, I don't remember off the top of my head I know one of them was Avalon by Barry Levinson and Ghost wound up winning the Oscar for for best a best best original screenplay and i started i picked up i had like napkins and things like that and i started throwing it at my little television as a ghost is not a well-written movie and it was and it won for its writing and the point that i i loved making was that swayze the whole movie kept saying i would do anything just to touch you once more but he's picking up a penny. He's typing on the keyboard. I watch the movie. Say, Come on, Swayze, touch Demi Moore. We can go home. And like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Okay. Do some pottery. But Maybe yeah, that was uh, the uh, the other time I remember. Uh, before I met you, I had a huge Oscar party at 150 West End Avenue. There was a fire hazard of all the comedians who were in my tiny studio apartment. Um, and when Gladiator won Best Picture, and I'm one of the few people, I, I, I like a lot of Ridley Scott films. I hated Gladiator. I hated Gladiator oh, then. I I, 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 and the, my biggest thing against it is I found the action scenes to be so confusing. I didn't know who was fighting who. And the rest of it was just kind of this big sort of goofy epic that was like, I didn't care. That's a big problem when you don't care. And the whole night, like traffic won best editing, won best screenplay, won best director, but not best picture. It's like, this is the best written, edited, and directed film of the year, but Gladiators win best picture. And I was just so like relieved that Gladiator wasn't winning Best Picture because I liked Traffic. I thought Traffic was a good movie, and uh, and so I was like, okay, I don't have to sit here and watch Gladiator win Best Picture. And Elizabeth Taylor says, and the winner is Gladiator. And I I did throw a wad of napkins that had dirty Chinese food on oh, it. Oh, that's bad. At from Ollie's <laughs> at my television. And I was just enraged. That is my point that I'm making. I don't, here's, I don't think there should even be a best picture category. How's that? Oh, there you go. And we also should have a baseball season, but not have the World <laughs> Series. Is that the end? Everybody, no, there is no champion. 
Everyone gets to go to Dairy Queen. No, you have a best. You have a best director. All the yada, yada, yada you said. Well, there has to be the final. What's the final thing you have at the end? What's the big tomato? Everyone's going to have the big tomato. Not everyone likes tomatoes. Well, then you have celery. You got to have something at the end. What is the what is what's the final award you give then? Huh? why is it best director the be- a, a great award why why does it have to it's be- a fine award we so is documentary it doesn't mean anything we just because it it's fun look at us we're yelling at each other in a fun way but it just means nothing it means i know it doesn't neither does the world at the end baby how important at the at the end Neither does the World Series. The Dodgers win the World Series. In the World but Series, the, but but it's fun. It's fun. The World Series. It's the United States Series. There is no. All right, that's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> that's a different discussion <laughs> all together. Okay. So, in conclusion, <laughs> uh, I rest. My Nomadland. Nomadland is going to win Best Picture. Uh, and uh, Black Panther is going to win Best Actor, and uh, Glenn Close is going to win for her most loathed performance. And uh, you are going to do a podcast. Both you, Dean, and Brian are going to get together, and you are going to do a podcast about the Oscars, and it's going to be filled with reverence. It's going to be filled with honor. You're going to sit there going, we love the Oscars because they're so meaningful. We cry at the Oscars. We agree with the Oscars. And whatever film the Oscar says is best, we agree with. That's yeah. your tone. Okay. Tune in next time, folks, to see if any of these things come true. I certainly do hope Chadwick Boseman wins Best Actor. When are the Oscars again? It's the end of April. By the way, another thing I just got to say, my life used to have a rhythm and balance to it. <laughs> that the baseball season began in April. Okay. Well, okay, I, I pretended it did. <clears throat> yeah, but between April and October was all baseball. And then the World Series ended. And then the Oscar-nominated Oscar bait started coming out in November. So from November on, I'm watching the Oscar films. And the Oscars were in March. And then the Oscars would be over. And then the baseball season would begin and it was like the tides. But then they moved the Oscars to February, doubled the number of, of films, and then they sort of it disrupted the tides. Can I end the podcast now, please? Okay, fine. Okay, great. So this has been Killer Casting with my special guest, Paul Francis Sullivan. That's me. Can I plug my podcast? Yes. Go, yes, I know you don't listen to it, but <laughs> if you enjoy me talking about the Oscars, just imagine me talking about baseball. <laughs> it's eerily similar to this. It's called Locked On MLB. We do five episodes a week, including the Sunday request. Where if you send me a tweet at Sully Baseball for questions, I answer them on the podcast. And we make our predictions for the season, which is starting in just about 12 days so boom this is gonna be a big year for southern california teams so look out and if you think doing a podcast five days a week is a lot he used to do seven seven days a week yeah i look at this oh man i'm cutting back yeah i'm only doing five a week okay well paul sullivan thank you very much it was so nice to see you again Yes, it was so nice to meet you 
so nice to meet you and yes. get to know you. Yes. And wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and take care. Absolutely. And All I'll, right. I'll, I'll water the plants. Okay. Killer casting, signing off. Let's go. Killer Casting was created and produced by Lisa Zambetti. Sound editing by Dean Laffin from Real World Productions. Logo art by April Laffin. Theme music provided by Amphibious Zoo Music. And Big Fat Opinions provided by Brian Allen Hill.